Uh, thank you very much indeed, Sophia Wensler. Some country dwellers reacted with fury to the accusation made by a charity organisation in a report to Parliament that Britain's rural areas are racist and symptomatic of colonialism. But before we open up a new front in the cultural war, should we perhaps uh, settle what some of these terms mean? Is it racist or colonial to maintain a prevailing culture in a country and to expect new arrivals to adapt to it or even celebrate it? Is it possible to expect that without being exclusionary? To answer that question, I'm joined now by Momus Najmi, who came to this country from Pakistan in 2010 and now lives in Malden in Essex. And I'm joined by Kent Lass and political commentator uh, Joe Phillips. Um, welcome to you both. Um, Momus, I am the son of an immigrant and I must say that I am a conformist and an integrationist. I wanted to be part of this country. I wanted to disappear into, uh, well, actually into its establishment. What was your own experience? Um, I, I think so it would be similar because you have to ask yourself the question, why are you coming to Britain, right? So if, you, if you're coming to Britain, you're coming to be part of Britain uh, if you love the country. So by that standard, you have to want to adapt to all its cultures, values and traditions. So that was my experience as well, that this is the reason why I wanted to come. Why did you love this country before you came to it? What was it that attracted you to it? Well, um, I grew up with a lot of English literature um, and a lot of media uh, from England. And a lot of uh, I was always a fan of history, so I read a lot of history. And it just attracted me so much because it's such a rich history out of all the European countries uh, that England has. So even though I was born in Kuwait and I was living in Kuwait in the Middle East, um, my schooling was more British. And um, it just attracted me. And it, it was something that I chimed with um, viscerally that I thought, like, this is something that I want to be a part of. I don't know whether one would describe Malden in Essex as uh, suburban or rural, but in any case, what's been your experience there? Is it, uh, is it a white preserve? Is it colonial? Have you felt... Well, it's, uh... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a town. I would say it's in between suburban and uh, countryside sort of an area. Um, I've been here for a year, and I would say it's the most friendliest place that I've encountered. Um, there's obviously the majority of people living over here are white British, uh, but the thing is that they keep the culture intact uh, of Britain. And I find that to be more assuring because then I can I can learn further things that I don't even know about uh, English culture and stuff. And this is the reason why wherever, whichever country that you go to, that you want to be with the locals, especially if you want to uh, be a part of that country. So it has been very warm. All my neighbours are very friendly and we get along really well. It's one of the best places I've been. Um, you're saying then that it's been friendlier than other places that you've been to in Britain. Is that right? Yes. Especially London. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. What, what happened to you in London? Well, I would discuss... I'm sure everyone has seen uh, the movie Paddington, right? So do you remember when Paddington Bear comes to Paddington Station at the first time, right? And, and when he comes in, he's, he's at a loss because he has his own manners and stuff, what has been taught to him and what has been told to him to expect that from Britain. And all of a sudden, it's not there. That was my experience when I came to London in 2010. I didn't find it to be English at all, even then. And I only stayed there for probably eight months and then I left because all I found was um, these different gangs and they had di their different issues um, and stuff. It, it, there wasn't a 
predominant English culture over there. So that's why I started going more and more towards Essex. And finally, I found a place which is more English than other places. And just give us an example of what you mean by this English culture. How, how do you recognise it? How do you know you didn't experience it in London? Well, uh, first of all, um, everyone speaks English, so that's <laughs> good to know. And plus, the thing is, uh, there's a kind of politeness, there's a, there's a mannerisms, uh, there's a, a kind of nature. It's an inherent thing. Uh, I think so. It's a disposition. Uh, to someone being British rather than the aesthetics of, like, you know, the clothes that someone wear or the food that someone eats and stuff. That doesn't, in, in my mind, that doesn't make someone British. It's, uh, it's, it's a disposition of how people behave with each other. And I don't know how to describe it properly, but I think so that's what was missing, the cultural uh, sort of aspect of it. Um, Mamas, would you hold on the line for a moment? I'm going to talk to Joe Phillips, who's uh, in the studio. Come back to you um, probably right at the end. Um, Joe, so you're you're resident in Essex, Kent. Oh, I, I beg your pardon. Other side Kent. of the Essex. We, yes, we, we, we've got a contrast <laughs> here, which is marvellous. Now, did you recognise this description of the countryside as being racist no, or colonial? No, um, I didn't. And it's interesting that there has been such a fury mm. um, in response to this. It's interesting that the Countryside and Wildlife Link, who were giving evidence to uh, MPs about this, have now distanced themselves and say that the, the comments have been taken out of context. The countryside... Uh, you know, very, very rural areas may be predominantly white, but they are. that doesn't necessarily mean they are racist. And I think, you know, one of the things that people, certain people who live in towns and cities don't recognise, and I think it's not covered very much in the, in the media and the sort of the, the urban bubble, is there's an awful lot of poverty and deprivation in yes. the countryside. You know, there's no broadband. The public transport's absolutely rubbish. You know, you've got to drive everywhere. If you haven't got a car, then you're stuck. When I was growing up yes. on a farm, I would have given my eye teeth for a bus shelter, never mind a bus. Yes. Um, so I don't think the countryside is inherently racist any more than anywhere else is. And I think there's a great danger, Michael, that we get caught up in the conversations about diversity and we put it into the prism of the colour of somebody's skin instead of the diversity of everything, whether you have got visual impairments, whether you've got hearing impairments, whether you're older, whether you've got autism. You know, there are all sorts of ways at looking at diversity. And I think we've, we've got caught up in this thing that it's only about the colour of somebody's skin. But let's, let's take a con concrete example. So let's say you've got a village pub. Now, in a village pub, probably kind of everybody knows everybody else. And let's say suddenly a black Briton from London turns up. Is that Black Britain going to feel welcome? Is that Black Britain going to feel comfortable walking into a, a village pub? Well, I can't say whether that person or anybody else from, from outside the village would feel comfortable. What I could say is that an awful lot of village pubs have closed um, and a lot of them have had to diversify in order to stay open, you know, whether that's running a grocer's store or going for sort of gastro food or whatever. Um, I think that's a really important point about welcoming um, and inclusivity. And actually, when you were talking about theatre shows um, just now, just before the news, you know, one of the things that has made theatre so much more accessible is the brilliant system of the National Theatre mm. live screening, which mm. means, you know, you don't have to anymore spend a fortune on transport and a ticket and hope that you might be able to see the stage from behind a pillar. You can go to your local cinema for a tenner or a little bit more than that, and if you don't like it, you can go home. Let so me share with you an experience that I had, though, because I, I appear in theatres quite a lot to do a sort of monologue, 
And <clears throat> I remember, for example, going to Leicester and looking at the audience, and I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying it was 100% white. Now, Leicester is, mm -hmm. a, is, a, is a city which is, you know, about 50% non-white. Absolutely. So this was extraordinary, but presumably it was self-selection. I mean, no-one was saying we don't welcome uh, colour... No. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know, dark faces here. No, exactly. And, you know, you're a white man, you're a former Conservative minister, you might not have had the same appeal to yes, different exactly. groups of people. And I think, you know, there's a great danger that we're trying to impose what we think is right on people. And, but the most important thing is, is that people have access to a variety of experiences. And, I mean, to go back to um, the point that Mummus was making, you know, we're an island. Our culture is created from all the people that have been through, um, stayed or gone, and the cultures that we've imported um, and accepted of our own. And it's always changing. Let me just bring in uh, Mummus again. I, I, I hope you're still there. Um, I'm there. Mummus, uh, we're at a stage, I think, where... We feel quite uncomfortable saying, look, new arrivals in this country have to adapt to the country they find rather than the other way around. Would you say to Joe and me, who might feel uncomfortable saying that, would you say, be relaxed about saying that, that's the right thing to say? What would your reaction be to that? Well, I, 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 let me tell you a story, right? So the first time when I came over here in 2010, I went to uni. And my, um, I mean, my professor in uni... He was a bit like that, hesitant and saying, oh, because of whatever slavery, whatever has happened, he's very hesitant in um, portraying his Britishness. And I was as surprised then as I am now. I don't think so. Anyone should feel ashamed of their country. It's, it's, it's mental to me, I think, so to even think like that. Because, I mean, you are actually being racist, like those people are actually being racist to the white people for making them feel ashamed to love their own country. And to answer also that question, how, how would a black person would feel entering a village pub which is full of white people? Well, it depends on how that black person interacts with people. You know? Mm. Um, Joe, uh, 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 some of this also has to do with sort of stately homes. Is there, is there something about the stately home, which is one of the rural activities people go to do tourism, is there something about the stately home which is sort of profoundly colonial or white? Yeah, well, yes, um, I think it is. And I think, you know, a lot of this is about class, as I said at the beginning. And, you know, there will be people, white people as well, who will go around stately homes and be absolutely horrified at the amount of wealth, um, the... the plundering, if you like, yeah, treasures and looters. Whatever, yes. yes, exactly. But it's about putting it in context. And, you know, they'll also be appalled at how, you know, people working on the estate, for instance, were kept in poverty and, you know, deprived of various things. But it is part of our history. It's part of our culture. I think it's up to institutions to work out how they can put it into context. I mean, just to give you an example, and actually, Momus, if you ever feel like crossing the, crossing the river um, and coming to <laughs> Kent, you should go to a place called Quex Park, which is a wonderful example of something that lots of people would find difficult about sort of early exploration and stuff like that. But the research that is still going on, I was there not very long ago, and there were uh, scientists from Oslo University who were doing research on bones and stuff that were brought back. But it's open. Kids can open drawers and find things. They can play with things. And it's about that, you know, feeling part of yeah. it, not just looking at it through a glass and not being allowed to touch it.
Nothing exclusionary about that. that that's been a most interesting discussion. Um, many thanks to uh, Momus uh, Najmi and to Joe Phillips here in the studio. After the break, we'll move over to Paris, where I'll be joined by one of the French capital's booksellers who's celebrating a famous victory as the bouquinists of the River Seine are told that they won't be removed ahead of this year's Summer Olympics. Stay with us, please. 2024, a battle.